1: Welcome to another edition of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. Today's podcast is sponsored by Columbia Southern University. As a leader in online education for first responders, Columbia Southern University offers superior learning for working adults seeking change. Their expert faculty and support will help you achieve goals for your career and family life. Consider Columbia Southern's online degrees in emergency medical services administration, emergency management, fire administration, organizational leadership, and more. Visit columbiasouthern.edu to learn more. In today's episode, we will discuss crisis leadership and the process by which EMS professionals serve their teams. Joining me today is Dr. Aaron Rohn. Dr. Rohn is a faculty member at Columbia Southern University. With a PhD in organizational leadership, Dr. Rohn instructs within the College of Safety and Emergency Services. Aaron, welcome. Thanks, Mike. As I begin, based upon my own background, I think it's important to state the obvious. Leadership is such a multidimensional term. It presents in a multitude of forms. However, one thing always seems to remain constant, and that's the need for good communication. I'm curious, Aaron, about your thoughts on how leaders best communicate with frontline staff and vice versa.
0: So I think that even in this crisis situation, Mike, you're bringing up one of the greatest things that any leader needs to do, and that's communicate. Even in this month's EMS World Magazine, uh, Dr. Dow brings up eight effective qualities of a leader, and one of those happens to be great communication skills. This isn't just being able to talk to people. This is being able to talk to them, hear them, and implement some of their ideas, being a connected leader, showing that you're more of a servant leader than just an authoritative leader. We don't need to just discipline as a leader. Once you get that white shirt on, it's not just about how you tell someone they've done something wrong. It's how to empower them and motivate them to be a better part of your service.
1: Absolutely. I think that's something you say triggers uh, and and I can relate to in a sense that there's always been this great divide in EMS where once somebody becomes a supervisor or is promoted into a supervisor role, there seems to be that divide. They become the bad guy automatically. And I think that that is something that we are starting to realize. We're starting to realize the worth of EMS in this country. And rather than being a stepping stone profession, we need to embrace this industry and embrace the leadership styles and be empathetic and vulnerable to our employees and show them that we're part of the group, you know, and let them know that we're part of what they're trying to achieve.
0: And that's exactly right, Mike. And the the bigger side of things is, is anyone can be a manager or supervisor. It takes a unique individual to be a leader. And that's going beyond just the fact of, I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. I'm going to tell you what the new policy is. And having... Uh, as Dr. Dowell mentions in the article, having charisma, we don't want to go to the other extreme of having that used car salesman approach. We want to be able to communicate in a way that we're believable and authentic, not just a, you know, this is what I want. And this is going to be the team. This is how we're going to do it. But more so of the, I buy into it, you buy into it. We're all going to get through this together. Now that doesn't mean we lose the decisive side of it where we have to make a decision, but we still need to be able to build that team.
1: Right. And I think what you're saying is that there has to be a happy balance. There can't be anything too far to one side. There has to be something that's in the middle. Because like you say, when when we're speaking of different leadership styles, if we are too democratic in our, in our uh, process, then we're not able to make critical decisions in a timely fashion. And in the same breath, we want to be empathetic to our employees so that they are part of the process. Correct?
0: That, that is exactly correct. So it's not just part of the leadership role to motivate and tell you what you're going to do. We need to empower people. And that often is a struggle for emergency services and those that are in a paramilitary type environment where we have a rank structure, we have that top down approach. But the balance needs to come back down to being able to invite a person who has no rank, maybe the newest member of your organization into the fold enough to help them be part of the decision process. You get a lot more buy-in from someone who's engaged and empowered to be part of that organization than you do from someone who's just dictated to.
1: Absolutely. So tell me, you know, from a connection standpoint, how as a leader can we be frontline empathetic? How can we relate to these individuals specifically?
0: So, and one of the key things I, I always try to preach and try to get people to buy into is, you know, we are a dynamic organization. EMS is a business, but we're also healthcare providers. So we're not just one of those ones where it's not a technology company. We're going to build a product. We're going to do something. We're caring for people. We have people who have emotional involvements with the patients that are dealing with. So we need to be able to connect with them. We need to look at our team as a family. You know, your frontline, first line responder that, Emergency medical responder, that EMT, that paramedic, they represent the organization, they represent the community, they represent healthcare as a whole. So we need to empower them to be part of the organization. Going back to that communication, being decisive yet empowering, being able to get them involved in decisions before they have to be made in some cases. And that's not saying that when we are in the thick of things that we need to have a decision by committee. But we need to be able to include those people regardless of their rank, regardless if they're in a blue shirt or a white shirt, you know, Chiefs bars or not. We need to include them.
1: I think it's interesting because I think that in some cases, that's lost on some leaders in a sense where it just becomes more about the white shirt or the stars or the pomp and circumstance. And although somebody can be considered a leader by position and by experience, it certainly doesn't make them a leader based on their delivery method and their way of interacting with their personnel and empowering them, like you say. You know, that kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. And that's something that's so important. The characteristics of a true leader uh, are what make them that. And, uh, you know, I think that that's what's so important in these types of situations, especially with what we're dealing with today with COVID. Now more than ever, we require leadership, you know, not just on a local level. We need it on a state level. We need it on a national level.
0: Well, and that's a key point there, Mike. Is you know that leadership. While yes, we're in the thick of COVID, but you know, come June first, we're going to hit a hurricane season. Come this winter, those folks that are in the Northeast or the higher elevations, they're going to hit snowfalls that create issues that take us beyond our normal day-to-day operations. You know, not everything is blue sky in EMS where we're capable of functioning without a care in the world. There's always going to be that monkey wrench that gets thrown in there. But being able to have that integrity that people understand that you're not asking them to do something that you wouldn't do yourself also helps build that, that connection and that empowerment. But we also need to listen to those ideas that they have. You know, some people in our EMS society right now come from a very different background. We have people who are retiring out of the military who might have a different way of conducting a rescue because they were trained differently than us in the civilian world. We have people with unique walks of life that can bring such a dynamic to our EMS organization that we can't exclude them because once we start excluding them, we turn into that stepping stone. I don't like working for this guy or gal. I'm out of here. I'm going to move on.
1: Right. Exactly. And I think that that's so important to stress because one of the things that I've always you know, held near and dear here at, uh, at McCabe Ambulance Service is the fact that you have to treat your employees as if they're family members because they are they are essentially what drive your service line. And yes, like you said, sometimes you have to be firm, but at the end of the day, having them included in decisions or hearing what they have to say or understanding what they feel you know, being part of that and being able to relate to boots on the ground to me is something that's really important. And that's why many leaders are frontline workers themselves. They're working as uh, paramedics in a different service line that are just line medics. I think that for me personally, and I'm wondering how you feel, how does that make a better leader? So you make an
0: excellent point there of you can't just be boots on the ground, or you can't just sit behind a desk. Once you start piloting your desk and you forget what it's like to be a street provider is where we start getting into that I have the rank. You must listen to me. Right. You know, and especially in this COVID side where we're talking about social distancing. That's the key buzzword that flies around, social distancing. One of my colleagues at Columbia Southern, um, Dr. Evans, had a recent discussion about the mental health impacts and really wants to use the word physical distancing. We need to keep six feet apart. We don't need to socially distance. Because once we start to socially distance, we're seeing where people aren't connecting and having that communication anymore. It kind of goes into that. I'm going to stay in my office. I'm going to tell you what to do on the street. We need to have that reliance on the fact of we're still providers. We still need to do the job, but we can't just get away from me doing it as a leader and telling you to do it and expect you to do it. Right.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, again, lending itself to what we're dealing with now as a nation Let's talk a little bit about bench strength and what that means. If you can explain to us what, what that bench strength concept means. So it, the bench strength concept
0: that we really need to focus on in EMS is knowledge isn't power. Knowledge doesn't keep me in my leadership role. Knowledge doesn't prevent me from being replaced. Today, I could get sick. I could be the next person to get moved out with a COVID and have to isolate and not be able to run the agency. We need to have people who, on a moment's notice, can step into those roles, regardless if they're promoted into the role, hired into the role, and be able to do the job. So for years, I've experienced this kind of mentality where in the EMS system, the only way you move up is to be tenured. You have to be there for 10 years before you can move up to the next rank. But yet, I've always shown that interest of, I want to learn how to do this. And now we're in positions where we have to be able to learn how to do logistics, how to understand what a burn rate is, how to get past our normal day-to-day operation. And if we're not empowering and connecting and communicating with those frontline providers, we're losing the ability to have that bench strength. We're losing the ability to have someone that can step in and fill our role and help manage and lead the organization. And I'll I want to digress for a second that there's a difference between a manager and a leader. The leader is inspiring and creating that vision, but the manager is the one helping get that vision all the way down. We need people who are both a manager and a leader, someone who can give you that key nugget, but yet still keep the the service rolling forward.
1: And in the same breath, it's, it's interesting because as leaders, we're always wanting to take it upon ourselves to make things. A lot of us are very type A. Um, and we want to make it right. We want to do it. We want to make sure that it gets done the right way. And that leaves very little room to rely on that bench strength. So it's something that I know many leaders need to work on because although we want to lead, we need to lead in a way that we create leaders, not followers. I think it's really important to pass on that knowledge and not, not take that and put it away, but to share that so that you say, we have that bench strength you know during this whole pandemic we had to provide a line of succession to our OEM and that's when things become very real to know that you have to do that is frightening because you know that somebody may have to take the reins if you get sick or very sick and and that's something that really is important in this whole bench strength concept
0: one of the things you said there is that line of succession my question for you and, and you know this isn't to take a jab. How many of those people in that line of succession could fall right in tomorrow and never miss a beat? In some, in some agencies, none, you know, they're just a name on the paper without getting that training, that knowledge, that ability from the front side versus where we need to empower them. Hey, I see you really like doing this kind of work, or do you have an interest in this? Seeking them out and being that servant leader to find out what they need to be a key element in your organization will help them grow within there and make them want to stay. They leave because they weren't given an opportunity. If we give them opportunities and they leave, it's because they're bettering themselves and they're helping someone else. When we take away those opportunities to learn something, we're causing people to go seek it somewhere else.
1: I, I agree with you completely. And I think that, and I don't know how it is in your primary area, but I know here in New Jersey that the lack of progression in this industry has allowed many great minds to go to other professions such as law enforcement, fire services. And I think that that's something that we need to work on as an industry in EMS to, like you say, allow for that progression, to allow for those opportunities so that we can retain those individuals.
0: It's not just in New Jersey. It's not just here in Pennsylvania where I'm from. It's not just in New York. We have a lack of leadership development that's more formalized and structured. And I'm not saying that that's the key answer is we have to sit in a class to learn how to be a leader. That's not by far where we need to go, but we need to be able to engage in our own agency and help teach those people who are going to follow in our footsteps, how to get to where we are today. We're not, we're not indispensable. We're not invincible. You know, we might wear that Superman logo on our chest, but that's not what we are. We're human and we're dealing with humans we have to meet their basic needs we have to be able to communicate with them and connect with them but we also have to still have that management side too so that goes back to that conversation we had earlier about that balanced leadership style
1: absolutely being the person that's in charge in these you know hectic and chaotic times i think that it's really important and it's a real hot topic now the psychological approach to our staff and what they're going through mentally you know, again, in EMS and emergency services in general, we, we tend to compartmentalize a lot of things, but we realize the negative uh, effect that that can have. And so as leaders, and again, many type A, it's hard to be vulnerable. But I think that that's so important and such an important part of becoming a great leader. And I wonder how you feel about that.
0: Well, and, and that kind of goes back to that communication topic we started earlier. Being vulnerable and coming out and saying, you know, hey, I'm having a rough day today too, but let me hear about yours. You know, don't you don't necessarily need to come right out and say I'm having a bad day because sometimes sitting in that office, you don't have the same bad day as the person on the street. But when you come outside and you see one of the paramedics or EMTs that's been there for five years and they look just downtrodden, you need to talk to them. You know what's going on, what's going on at home? How's things going? You know, make that connection more than just you're an employee or a cog or a number in the organization. You know, we have families, we have friends, we have things outside of here that impact us on a daily basis. And we're dealing with humans that are in their worst situations. You know, EMS doesn't get called on the blue sky sunny day. They say, hey, how you doing? Happy birthday. You know, we're we're getting those calls that, you know, you're sick. You need our help. That takes an emotional toll on somebody and you need to get in there and be vulnerable with them and let them open up to you. Looking at their mental health, looking at how we can connect them with the resources to do that is important.
1: Absolutely. And I think that certainly there are very creative ways uh, to be involved with your staff. You know, obviously, we're, we have to be very creative these days with face to face and distancing, but even, you know, things such as virtual meetings, you know, Zoom meetings, Google meetings, keeping your staff in the loop, showing that empathy towards what they're going through, goes such a long way in their psyche to wanting to work for a certain individual or a certain organization. I think that that's really important and something that can't be lost during this time that we're going through right now.
0: Well, and I don't want this to be just our, our our starting point or our stopping point in it's a crisis. We need to connect with those people. As a leader, we need to know them day in, day out and see those because once this crisis is over, we'll go into the next and it might not be a crisis that involves um, physical distancing or uh, all the precautions that we're going through. But everyone's dealing with a trauma in their own way at some point and being able to connect and communicate, having that vulnerability and making them feel empowered is important year round, day in, day out as a leader in an EMS organization. The moment we stop doing that is the moment where we start seeing people do the exodus. I can't work here. I'm just a chug. I'm just making my way through here. I I need to be part of the agency. I need to be part of the team. I need to have buy-in.
1: I think it's a great point, and I think it's a great way to summarize uh, what it is we've been speaking about today in a sense that – you can't just be a leader when it's convenient to be a leader. You have to be a leader 24 7, 365, because it can't be a uh, Johnny come lately type situation.
0: You're
1: 100% correct in that.
0: And it's not one of those ones where we, we just start leading because it's a crisis. Crisis leadership is something completely different than leadership. Yes, we have to make those quick, authoritative decisions, but yet we still need to be a servant leader. We still need to be connected to our organization. What are the needs of the people here? What are the needs of our community? How are we serving everybody? This isn't just a we, me, I. This is everybody.
1: Dr. Aaron Rohn, thank you, my friend. Your insight and guidance on leadership truly could not come at a better time. A special thank you to today's sponsor, Columbia Southern University. Visit them at columbiasouthern.edu. I'm Mike McCabe. Thanks for joining us. And tune in next time for another episode of EMS World Podcasts.
0: This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And see you in Vegas,
1: September 14th through the 18th, 2020 at EMS World Expo.